Maria, do you believe in aliens? Well, yeah, I didn't realize I did until, do you remember in 2011, where the White House made an announcement that the president was going to go on television and speak about something? And it was a Sunday night, and it was scheduled for something like 10 or 11 p.m. Uh-huh. And I remember being like, what? What could be so important that the president has to stop everyone on a Sunday night, late at night, yeah. and come out and talk about it. Like, what could that possibly be? And the first thing I thought of was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> My immediate response was like, well, the, like if it was war, we'd know about it. If it was yeah. some kind of natural disaster, that also would have happened. They wouldn't have scheduled a time to tell us about something. That was, like, so right. important that they had to tell us right away, <laughs> but, like, not so important that we didn't already know. So I was pretty sure it was that the president was ready to announce that we'd made contact with aliens, and it was now no longer possible to keep it a secret from the rest of society. Um, it wasn't that, actually. If you'll recall, it was uh, the killing of Osama bin Laden. I feel like I learned a lot about myself <laughs> by my, like, shock that it was not actually about contact with aliens. I love it. <laughs> That's so great. I would never think of an announcement like that. I basically think that that would cause mass pandemonium and disruption in the streets and people would <laughs> no, go you're nuts. right. And so, yeah, I think that they would slowly leak out the information over time and like deliberately so people could normalize each fact. Yeah, but... And then by the time we get to the end, everyone's like, oh yeah, no, we got this. We yeah, know. but what if there was like a <laughs> ship imminently about to decloak on the horizon and they were like, we have to tell people right now. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's that's fair. <laughs> that's good. That's I didn't think about okay, that. Okay, but, but the truth is I don't go around thinking about aliens every day or anything like that. So it was even a surprise to me that that's where my mind went first. <laughs> and I would like to go ahead and... Blame my father and a childhood of watching Star Trek and Babylon 5 and every form of space opera. But yeah, that is where my Thanks, mind Thanks, Dad. Went. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to In Theory, the podcast where we talk about the theories that help us make sense of the world. I'm Maria Sachiko Sasiri. And I'm Naran Khan. Today we'll be talking about whether we're alone in the universe. We'll share some of the theories that help frame and analyze that question, including the Fermi paradox and the great filter theory. And we'll unpack the significance of the question in the first place. What does it mean culturally that we're fascinated with the existence or non-existence of other intelligent life? Should this matter at all for our humanity? Get ready, everyone. The government can't cover up this conversation. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so, Naran, do you believe in aliens? Oh, totally. I think I believe strongly that other intelligent life exists in the universe. Mm -hmm. But I have questions about whether we've encountered them or they've encountered us or what the nature of that would look like. But I'm also such a huge sucker for sci-fi stuff. I love Star Trek. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Contact, which I think is just like a remarkable, deep feminist movie that really, I, I mean, I maybe it was the age at which I watched it. I think it probably came out when I was like in seventh grade, but 
it was beautiful and it's hard to explain the movie without giving things away but it's it's really about who we are our essence and what an encounter with another civilization might look like it's so good maria you have to see it yeah i have never seen it which is embarrassing but now i feel like i must do that post haste you'll love it and then we'll talk about it <laughs> <laughs> i mean i definitely have to see this movie but You have to wonder, right, as much as we love the idea that we're not alone in the universe, the fact remains that we have no definitive proof beyond individuals' anecdotes that there is anything out there other than us. Totally fair thing to bring up. And so we're going to talk about the Fermi paradox. I'm going to lay down some facts for you. Okay, Maria? Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So there are billions of stars like our sun – in the, in the whole universe, mm-hmm. um, many of which are much older than our sun. That's one fact. Okay. Another is that there's a good chance that some of these stars will have planets like Earth. Basically, there's like tens of billions of habitable planets just in our galaxy, and we can see 100 or 150 billion other galaxies, each with tens of billions of other habitable planets. Whoa. So we know that like there are numbers of things that could be like Earth. And what's called the Drake equation helps us figure out these numbers, Mm -hmm. which we'll unpack in a second. So if the Earth is typical, there's like not something crazy abnormal about the Earth, then some of these planets, these Earth-like planets, could develop intelligent life like us. Yeah, well, like you'd expect if there's that many, just the odds are that some of them have, right? Totally. And intelligent life could be capable of interstellar travel, just like we're trying to do, especially if they've had ample time to pursue that. Because like I said before, a lot of the suns like our sun are much, much, much older than our sun. Mm -hmm. So even if it takes a long time to get to interstellar travel, some of this intelligent life could and should have already crossed and traversed our own galaxy, the Milky Way, which itself would take like a million years. Mm -hmm. So all of these facts basically line up and tell us that we should have already been visited by or heard from someone by now, just based on pure numbers. Someone being? An alien, like intelligent life. Mm-hmm. So this question posed by Fermi, which is like the Fermi paradox, is like, where is everybody? Right. Where are they? And the fact that we haven't heard from people has been called the great silence. So all of the numbers say, like, by now, after all this time, we should be teeming with alien encounters. Like, they should be all over, all up in our galaxy, not just, like, all over the universe. So that is the really big, crazy question. Like, where is everybody? Well, it's good to know that my automatic guess about the White House (laughs) announcement wasn't so far off, according to physicists. Exactly. So the Fermi paradox is named after Italian physicist Ernico Fermi, who was born in 1901. And these ideas were advanced by another physicist, Michael Hart, in the 1970s. But people talk about the Fermi paradox all the time. Fun fact, my dad actually works a lot with the Fermi Lab Accelerator Facility in Illinois. So Fermi is a household name for my family. I love it. It's a small (laughs) universe, isn't it? (laughs) Very small. So... Again, the Fermi paradox is the notion that with so many billions of stars and galaxies and therefore planets, why haven't we come across other life yet? Yeah, what do they say? Well, there is one theory that we need to talk about, which was conceived of in 1998 by Robin Hansen, um, and it's the Great Filter Theory. And it's a little creepy, but are you ready for it? Yeah. 
Okay. Basically, it says that at some point in a civilization's existence, well, actually, like from pre-life to a really sophisticated civilization capable of interstellar travel, Mm -hmm. there's a crazy hard step that every civilization has to push past in its evolution Mm -hmm. that basically precludes a civilization from becoming interstellar. Hmm. There's something that prevents everyone from, from moving on and that's the great filter. So the question for us, because like we haven't actually made it interstellar yet. The question is, does this great filter exist? If it does exist, it would explain why we haven't, like this barrier is the thing that's keeping all of these other intelligent life forms all over the galaxy Mm -hmm. and throughout the universe from like encountering us. Where are we in the spectrum of the great filter? Like have we, has it already happened? Are we like really unique and have we gone past it? Or is it ahead of us? Like are we all going to get extinct like what's the deal with the great filter yeah that makes sense basically it's like a big bottleneck that prevents all of these potential life forms all over the universe from being able to pop out the other side and be able to like contact each other but we are interplanetary right we got rovers going to mars and you know we can go around a little bit but we're not yet interstellar right we've not been able to get out of our own solar system right so yeah that's a good question i don't know are we before or after maybe before yeah I will say in researching this topic that this is the topic where I found the most crazy, deep, dark internet and just so much, (laughs) so much guessing and thinking. It was really hard to figure out like which internet stuff was real or not. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. So, but the great filter theory is just one theory, right? Are there other ways of thinking about why it might be that we haven't had alien contact yet or as far as we know? Totally. But it's like all guesses here but we can throw around some guesses okay one is that the intelligent life that our universe is teeming with already came to earth before we came around because like (gasps) humans are pretty new so oh man yeah so they came and they didn't find us and then they moved on crap we were still like single celled (laughs) amoebas or whatever it was like munching on each other or well before that like we were just rocks and carbon and stuff how embarrassing. It's like a guest coming to visit and like you haven't prepared only the extreme <laughs> we, like, we're version. Prepared. We're so yep. not prepared we hadn't evolved yet. But like we hope they come back. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Depends on your perspective. Exactly. There are other reasons too. How about that there are bad civilizations and the other civilizations know not to like try to actively reach out because they don't want to get the attention of the, the bad guys. Oh, so the idea then like... They haven't reached out to us because they're afraid they might accidentally bump into, like, the hornet's nest of the... Like, the predator civilization. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. These are getting, like, more and more weird, but... I love it. Get as weird as possible. At this point, we have no facts, <laughs> so we, we kind of have to throw these ideas around. <gasps> There's also, like, the idea of, like, a super predator civilization out there. One singular one. Right. 
So that's kind of creepy. Oh, so like Independence Day, right? The aliens yes. in that movie that just go from like planet to planet and suck up all of their resources, like locusts. Yep. Movies are the most useful way to envision any of this because without that, it's just like people being all up in their heads trying to think about things that we just have no evidence for and we may not ever. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things I love about speculative fiction, science fiction, fantasy, like dystopian fiction, all that stuff, is that it kind of allows us to play out thought experiments, yep. but to do it in a way that's like connected to stories that we care about. So then it's not just, oh, what would this look like? But like, what would this look like for real people? Yeah, totally. Or I guess fictional people. <laughs> okay, so what else? What else? What other ideas are there? Are there more? So how about this one? What if all intelligent life eventually destroys itself like the atom bomb or something it is just like naturally going to happen and we're just in this like period of time before we destroy ourselves shoot so there's like an even greater filter the greatest filter of all is to not be so stupid you destroy yourself (laughs) yeah yep oh man yeah i know that one's kind of eerie well especially since right now we're not doing such a hot job with climate change and there's a whole nuclear weapons thing from the cold war I feel, I feel like the nuclear weapons thing is the game changer here because that's like the thing that could truly in a matter of days blow up the whole earth with or a couple of people choosing to do that yeah that's terrifying mm. so like what if we just like fundamentally don't understand the universe in which we're operating like what if we're in a cage? Say more. Or a hologram? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, what if the Earth is an Earth and we are like a simulation or a hologram or something? Now I seem like I'm... No, the Matrix. <laughs> I read this on the internet, so it must be real. No, but like the idea of the Matrix, right, is actually is a philosophical concept. Mm-hmm. But this is like goes back to Descartes, right? And, and this idea that we only are able to like encounter the world through our senses, but we don't know if our senses are giving us correct information, and at the end of the day... So who do we trust? Right, like, who do we trust? And we may actually just be, like, yeah, plugged into something that's feeding us experiences and sensations. And then the question is, like, are those experiences and sensations less real because we're plugged into them? Some would say, no, they're not less real. And that's why, like, the rise of virtual reality could actually be, like, a fun new dimension of human experience. And other people are saying... No, that's not real. But yeah, within that frame, right, there'd be no way to get in touch with aliens because we just, like, live in a tank somewhere. Like the Truman Show, another favorite movie of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, TV and movie speculative fiction. We appreciate you. So a bunch of these other explanations are teased out in a series of blog posts on io9, which we'll link to. Yes. So assuming the assumptions made in the Fermi paradox actually line up, we totally should have made contact with intelligent alien life by now. So something is not adding up. But why does this matter one way or another? In the next section, we'll talk about why people feel so strongly about the discovery of intelligent alien life.
people have been wondering about life on planets outside of our own for a really long time. We get references to aliens as far back as ancient human records. Roman philosopher Lucretius was arguing that, you know, it was likely that life was not unique to Earth. And especially once we shifted over to a Copernican model, so like no longer seeing Earth as the center of the universe, people were like, oh, well, there's all this stuff out there. It just starts to make logical sense that we're not the only living things around, right? So that was like, you know, quick sweep of human history. So we talked about what we actually think in terms of whether there is intelligent life in the universe or not. But it's actually really interesting to see what like people broadly think. A 2015 YouGov poll says that Germans are most likely to believe among like Western countries at 56%, followed by the Americans who are at 54% and British at 52%. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's actually really interesting to parse out the information too. So for those who believe that aliens don't exist, two-thirds of them think that it's because humans were created by God or another higher being. So like we're special. We're special, right. In a kind of cosmic, philosophical, theological level. Mm -hmm. And almost a third, 31%, said that the Earth is unique. It's the only place capable of sustaining intelligent life. That seems wrong. Right? (laughs) Maybe they just don't, they don't know the Drake equation and they don't know about the numbers. I didn't know about the Drake equation. I honestly only thought about Drake, our Drake, not numbers Drake. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I guess one of the things about that also is like what counts as being able to sustain intelligent life because we're also, I'm imagining, only really talking here about carbon-based life forms and life that looks like what we have, like fleshly body sacks. Right. But we don't know if that's actually, like, if there's different dimensions. I mean, it sounds really trippy and, like, sci-fi, but actually a lot of physics is getting there, you know? Yeah, totally. It's also interesting to hear about, like, the explanations that people have about why we haven't yet made the contact. So the stuff that we were talking about earlier, trying to explain the Fermi Paradox... So uh, 42% of Americans say it's because human technology is not advanced enough for us to communicate Mm -hmm. with extraterrestrial intelligent life, which was actually one of the explanations, like common explanations of the Fermi paradox. 30% believe that extraterrestrial intelligent life has already contacted us, but the government has covered it up, which I love. Uh The (laughs) X-Files approach, yes. And almost 25% responded that aliens have contacted or visited Earth, but long before the development of human civilization. Hmm. That never occurred to me, but a good quarter of people in in the world, or of the, at least the people they poll, seems to be all on top of that. I, I'm actually like just like quite proud of people, and like <laughs> normally I'm not, but this is kind of amazing. They kind of general understandings do comport with. I guess, general internet and even science understandings of like what what the realm of possibilities for explaining the Fermi paradox might be. Well, and I think it's, you know, this question, it leaves this question like why this matters to us so much. Like why are so many people who are just like going about their everyday life in their spare time just thinking like, hmm, I wonder if we've been contacted by aliens and have theories of their own about our relationship to like beings that probably, as far as we know, don't even exist. So... I guess that leads us to that last part of it. You know, why does this matter to us so much? It matters to me. 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Why are you interested in it? I just think it's exciting. And I think <laughs> it would be fun. And I'm sure it will be fun. I'm sure it's like a super predator situation. But <laughs> Fun like the movie Aliens. Yeah. Having grown up on Star Trek, though, like encountering something so fundamentally different really pushes our thinking. It really can create like new human experience and opportunities for connectivity. Like I just feel like it's with Google Earth and like pretty much knowing what goes down here and having the internet to parse out all different levels of like human thinking, having the ability to connect on that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't have as much left to be excited about in some sense, maybe. Mm. I don't know. I just feel like it's like the truly the unknown. The realm of possibility is just so expansive. And I think curiosity, like I'm a, like inherently curious person. I like want to know and I think it's fun. I don't know. That's so great. It reminds me of, you know, our friend Max Weber? Yeah. So he's like done lots of great stuff, but he wrote this really important piece called Science's Vocation, in which we can link to it. But basically it's like this famous um, lecture where he talks about how like secular bureaucratic modernity has left the world disenchanted. And so the things that used to make us believe that there was like magic in the world or something beyond ourselves, like a a lot of those things have been basically destroyed since the Industrial Revolution and particularly like now in our 20th century version of modernity, you can like really see a lot of people feel that way. And so imagining that there could be other life with incredible abilities and like different appearances and that kind of thing, it gives us some of that enchantment back, but it grounds it on science. I love it. I mean, I think that actually much more eloquently captures the thing that I want and wish for. No, but you like spontaneously said it. I work on enchantment, so (laughs) it just made me think of it. Great. That's like the beautiful side of it. But then there's also all this conspiracy theory stuff, which if you like obsessively watched the X-Files, like I did when I was growing up, and then also this little fascinating reboot situation they just did. There's like a lot of people who think, as you were just saying, that the government is really involved in all of this. Obviously, I guess so did I, because I thought Obama was going to tell us about it. But no, (laughs) still keeping it a secret. Tell us, Barack. What's up with that? Like these like government conspiracy theory things. Well, I do think there's so much at stake in terms of if this were to be true and discovered, the level of societal disruption, anxiety, people's very irrational responses could kind of destroy society. And we get that sense with like doomsday cults and and people that think the world is going to end or already believe in alien encounters. Like I just feel like the government has an interest in – putting the kibosh on these things until, I mean, there's just like no way that you can't cover it up anymore. I do think that there's Mm -hmm. an interest. And I do think that if there were very initial encounters, why would they tell everyone? What's the point? Mm. It would just like undermine society and like bring down the government or something, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what kind of aliens they are. I mean, I think everything you're saying is so right, but there also are like, underlying echoes of the ways in which government has wanted to prevent interracial marriage or other kinds of segregation. If we're dealing with like a predator type situation, like that's totally different, right? Obviously. But we also don't know. So it could also be that if they are already here, they don't want to wipe us out entirely because we seem to be doing fine. And then it raises questions about like, 
to what extent is it like a conservative fear of not wanting things to change? Yeah. And to what extent is it like genuinely wanting to protect us? And that tension, I think, is what makes people so desperate to know, but also maybe like some people not want to know. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I know. It really just depends on the nature of them. I will say I've seen stats as high as one in five people on Earth think that they're already aliens passing as humans on Earth. I'm not of that thinking. If we have been contacted by aliens, I don't think that they're like my next door neighbor. But I would, again, like I'm very skeptical of all of our attempts to imagine alien life in terms of ourselves. Yeah. So I feel like we would not necessarily be even able to understand their forms of embodiment or communication and they could just be here and like I have this very like anthropological vision of aliens like they are like not out to just colonize and destroy which seems to be the main approach to aliens just because we do that doesn't mean that they want to do that I know right (laughs) I would like to imagine that they're all just dorky academics who are like traveling all across the galaxies just to like look and see taking notes on us if we study (laughs) slugs and dirt and bacteria what's to say the aliens don't want to study little boring things like us and not hurt us just like keep an eye on us totally fair i hope you're right (laughs) i do i wonder though we probably give them lots of fodder for thinking i know well if they have they share our ethics they're probably like let's quash them yeah And a flying saucer flew down to earth one day. Looked to left and right of it, couldn't stand the sight of it, and said, Let's fly away. They took a look at a western movie, somebody heard them say. If a horse can be a star, think how dumb the people are, we'd better fly away. I'll say one thing, which is I read this great book in like second grade. It was like one of those like early reader books called My Teacher is an Alien. Mm -hmm. It was so good. And it was one of those (laughs) aliens walk among us and could even be your authority figure in your school Mm. and might take you hostage. It was it was a very early reader book. I don't think it was like more than like 90 pages long. But it definitely made you think. (laughs) It did. It did. Well, and it's definitely part of that enchantment, bringing that enchantment back into the world, right? Totally. (laughs) One way or the other, or horror. (laughs) Okay, so according to physicists like Enrico Fermi, we should be encountering alien life by now. So you can tell the haters to put that in their pipe and smoke it the next time someone rolls their eyes at your X-Files t-shirt. And whether we find it in this lifetime or not, wanting to believe taps into deep human desires to feel like we're not alone in the universe and like there's something magical still out there. Thanks so much for listening to us in Theoryites. This is the last episode of season two. We're so excited to bring you the best and juiciest of theory, and we're excited to do it again next season later this summer. So stay tuned. We'll be back. Questions, comments, ideas, we'd love to hear from you at intheorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find past podcasts and more information about us at intheory.us or on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and recommend us to any and all of your friends. In Theory is produced with the support of Experimental Humanities and Human Rights Radio at Bard College. Many thanks to our intergalactically fantastic intern, Olive Carroll Music composition and art design by the magnificent Aaron Taylor Waldman. 
Thanks for listening.